0: I'm sitting in a vertical (laughs) phone booth, coffin-like, although rather brightly lit, tiny windowless room in a WeWork, if you can call this a room. I guess actually it does have windows, but not external windows. And I feel like uh, (laughs) my my, my life rhythm is funny right now. I'm either uh, in a spot like this, alone, um, either staring at a screen or talking to myself as I am now, or I am home underneath two small children, <laughs> often literally lying down underneath them, it seems. Um, although to bring it back to dog training, I have set up a pet tutor and two Treat and trains in my apartment because um, I feel like I have so little time to devote to training Poppy. And um, so I've been trying to use these moments where I'm like paralyzed under the two girls to um, do push button training with her, basically triggering the treat and train. One of the treat and trains I have one on her bed, one in her crate. And uh, then, like her relaxation mat. So, like, go to bed, go to crate, go to mat. I just sort of have her uh, going from one to the other with this hilarious, um, like, <laughs> this heli- all these buttons that I'm wearing, um, one for each uh, dispenser, and um, it's it's ridiculous, but I but it's um, I think it's been good for her, if only because when I have the two of them uh, piled on me. Like, I don't also want her piled on me, which she has a tendency to do because she likes to be snuggly. Anyway, um, but that moment is not this moment. This is the isolated in a, in a coffin moment. And, um, I just wanted to share uh, a couple things. One is, um, that this is the one-year anniversary of Amos dying, today. And, um, so I've been thinking a lot about him, but of course I think a lot about him every day. And, um, and I guess just, you know, feeling those feelings and, and, you know, one feeling that comes up a lot is guilt. And I'm saying this cause I have to guess that there are plenty of other dog owners, uh, that, who feel some degree of guilt over their dog's health decline, like it was my fault, or like if, not that it was my fault, but like if, maybe if I had brought him in sooner last summer than I did, like we could have caught the ultimately fatal um, tumor that he had, like he wasn't eating well over the summer, and I feel like I, I was neglectful that I didn't like rush him to the vet right away, but of course hindsight is 2020 and um i remember expressing this to my friend dr lisa Littman, uh a vet who i talked to a lot during those last weeks also to dr andrea too um and something dr Littman said at the time was that like she had a similar feeling after her dog in vet school died and here she was like in vet school so but of course it was a 15 year old dog I treated him as well as I possibly could have. I gave him as much love as I possibly could have. And the other thing I've been trying to think of, I mean, and I think I, you know, I wrote, I did a a podcast episode about him last year that I have never even gone back to listen to. But, um, but one thing I think I said in that episode, which is a thought that I often have is like, you know, at least I know I gave him an amazing life. Like I, I wish I could have milked his life, another year or two or five, but, um, I know that the 15 years he had were great, and, um, if I have any regrets about the time we did have together, it's that, um, uh, I don't know, maybe that I didn't get into dog training a little bit earlier, he was five when I started really Learning about training, and I wish that um, I'd had the previous five years to work with him on stuff. Not uh, just because I think it would have been fun for him, but we did do training before that, just sort of informally, and I wasn't as tuned into his his person <laughs> um, because uh, I think you you get more dialed in on on who the animal is and how they feel about things um, the more training you do. But the other thing I've been thinking about is how his how my love for him you know lives in me and like how i saw him which is sort of true really about um so many i mean maybe all love like it's all or so much of it is projection it's You know, no two people are seeing the same person in the same way. No two people are seeing the same dog in the same way. Um, And, uh, but ultimately those feelings, you know, live within us. They don't live, my feelings did not live within Amos. He had his own feelings. Um, And uh, hilariously, maybe this led me to think of... um, two things. So the first one is Travis Barker of Blink-182, who has been in this wildly public romance recently with, um, Kourtney Kardashian, the oldest of the Kardashians, uh, and, um, I've heard called the least interesting to look at. If you can't think of anything mean to say about someone, that's something to say. Um, uh, I was never really, like, that into watching Keeping Up With The Kardashians, but, I mean, I guess I'm as, um, aware of them as, I don't know, any other, uh, uh, woman my age who watches some amount of TV and looks at some degree of social media, and I don't know if everyone else is like this, I have to think not, but, like, they come up in my news feed on, like, Apple News or whatever, all the time. And I'm probably just feeding it because then I like go and look at whatever they're showing me about the Kardashians, um, making the algorithm feed me more Kardashian news. Um, but (laughs) my, my sort of vague interest, non-interest in the Kardashians was peaked recently because of this, um, you know, romance specifically, um, uh, something that has come up regarding his ex-wife, um, who, uh, pointed out that, um, well, I guess I should first say that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, uh, posted recently all this stuff about, um, the movie True Romance, the Quentin Tarantino movie from the early 90s, like, they posted, uh, themselves dressed up as the two characters from the movie in, like, a very produced photo shoot with her in a blonde wig and and um, also have pointed... At, and then posted all these photos. And then she also posted, like, quotes from the movie. Like, there's this quote about, like, you're so cool. Um, sort of, like, they say you're so cool instead of, like, I'm in love with you or I love you. And, um, I mean, like, if if this... I mean, like, I, I I, don't know. I mean, even if she weren't a celebrity, like, okay, I guess you're into this movie with your boyfriend or fiance or whatever, and, like, you're sharing your, your newfound joint obsession with this 1990s movie. So after they did this, his ex-wife came out and was like, you know, what's so weird about this is like, he, that was kind of like my movie with him, and we had a true romance-themed wedding, and... Uh, we named our daughter Alabama after the character in True Romance, which is um, you know, like it's a weird thing, I think, like to be sort of publicly sharing this. Um, stuff that seems like it was like proprietary of another relationship. Of course, like your relationship doesn't own your interest in a film or any piece of art. And uh, I thought, you know, I think this kind of thing probably happens a lot just like in less public arenas where someone has like a favorite movie or a favorite, you know, thing and they bring it into a relationship more than in just one relationship because um you know, you you bring the things you love and maybe the other person loves it too. What does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I guess I was thinking about how like our how our our feelings about love and relationships and all of that like exists with in us and um, you know, this guy, it seems like his feelings are wrapped up somehow in this movie and like whoever he's with gets sort of like put into the slot of the character in this movie that that for him is like a good feeling and um it reminded me a little bit of a book review I once read of um of a book about Vladimir Nabokov uh and this book I guess had um love letters that he wrote to his wife Vera but also to some other woman that he had an affair with and the person writing the book review pointed out how similar these love letters were to each other, and the book reviewer wrote, you know, it should be encouraging to some that even uh, Nabokov only had one language of love, and I remember remember that line. Anyway, so that's what the whole... Travis Barker, Courtney Kardashian thing made me think of uh, in terms of love. And as I thought about it, I thought about uh, my dog, Amos, and how my love for him, um, you know, is still inside of me. And um, he's not around, but I can still feel those feelings. And um, and it made me think of my dad, who um, I remember... Um, a year or so before he died when he had a health scare he said to me something like you know well I'm I'm inside of you and um made me think of that too (laughs) the other thing uh that I wanted to talk about which uh sort of comes back to that is um Well, I guess it's something that I I felt like uh, I wish I could call my dad who died in 2018 and tell him this uh, about this because he'd think it was I think he'd think it was really funny. But of course, there's no phone number I can use to call him. Um, But then I thought maybe (laughs) maybe dead people listen to podcasts (laughs) or maybe just the act of me sharing this um, silly thing uh, as if I was telling him about it will um, make me feel, like, get in touch, my feelings of love towards my dad, and, uh, and, like, touch the part of him that's inside of me, or I feel like, I can't believe I just said that, it sounds really cheesy, but, <sighs> anyway, um, so there's this guy named Blippy and if you don't have little kids, you probably haven't heard of Blippy. What Blippy does is he, um, he's on youtube he's uh he goes mostly to children's museums but other fun places like he'll go to a firehouse or he'll go to an aquarium or i think i've even seen him go to animal shelters and he'll just interact so he'll go to a children's museum and he'll like play with all the toys and um and he's kind of goofy he wears like a blue and orange beret and these big orange glasses and suspenders and uh he has kind of like a Pee Wee Herman vibe. I feel like that's um the best way to describe him to someone who hasn't seen him. Um except Pee Wee Herman doing more of like like pretending to be a little boy more than Pee Wee Herman was pretending to be. Pee Wee Herman was um, seemed like an adult, but Blippy seems like he's um a child and uh but he's not. He's, like, a 30-something-year-old man, and after watching, uh, many hours of blippy with, uh, Magnolia, I, uh, I wanted to f- figure out who this dude was, like, <laughs> because it's just, it's, he's not, like, with a network or anything, it's just, like, his own YouTube channel that, like, clearly is doing really, 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 really well, and, like, God bless him for, like, figuring out this niche that is so um, this niche interesting thing to do that, uh, clearly is captivating, captivating to, um, tiny kids, um, so I googled Lippy, and, uh, it turns out his name is, uh, Stephen John, Stephen, S-T-E-V-I-N, John, J-O-H-N, And uh, I'm reading, 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 reading on Wikipedia or wherever. Turns out his name is not really Stephen John, if you can believe it. His real name is Stephen Grossman, (laughs) which is my last name. And this is why I would have called to tell my dad this story, because my dad, who was Robert Grossman, um, he would kind of collect Grossman sometimes. He had this, like, telephone book next to his telephone and that he would, like, make notes in. When people called, he'd write it in. Or, like, if he had an appointment, it was, like, his, like, ongoing diary. And he would also use it kind of like a scrapbook, and sometimes he would, like, paste things in, like if he saw someone named Grossman who was doing something interesting in the newspaper. And, uh, and like, the funnier the Grossman reference, you know, the better. Like, I remember... Like I remember there was uh this New Yorker cartoon that said uh it showed a picture of of a guy like standing at his boss's desk with really, really long sleeves that are dragging on the floor and um <laughs> the boss is saying uh grossman, good news, you can now wear short sleeves to work, which um is uh it's kind of funny because it's one of those New Yorker cartoons that I kind of don't totally understand. <laughs> like, why did they make it about someone named Grossman? But I don't know. There'd be other things too, like. And even if he didn't, you know, like literally clip something out and paste it in his book, I don't know. I feel like he was always collecting things. Like, I remember he was really excited to learn that there's a mineral called Grossmanite, which was um, invented by—I uh, mean, not invented, I guess—discovered by uh, someone named. Lawrence Grossman Uh, so oh and and, you know I think part of the reason he thought it was funny to kind of be collecting Grossman's was because my father had two sons my older half brothers and both of them uh, were born Grossman and ultimately changed their name Uh, one took um, his middle name because he was going into acting and, um, I guess Grossman sound, I don't know if it just wasn't euphonious, like, and it's not nice to have the word gross in your name or if it had to do with it being like a name that sounded Jewish, um, which, uh, I remember my dad being like, you know, it's good to be a Jew in Hollywood, um, you know, s- signal that to people use your by your last name but um i don't know for whatever reason he changed his name f- when he went into the theater and uh, the other brother um who lived in paris for a few years in his 20s changed his last name to uh rambo like the french poet rambo r-i-m-b-a-u-d which um m- people have a hard time pronouncing anyway he that was also for his like performing career although i he did give that name to his children as well and i think the whole thing kind of bothered my dad who was like hey you know this is the family name why isn't it good enough for all of you so the story of this um uh super successful guy blippy on youtube who has the last name grossman i think my dad would have found really funny uh who then you know took the name john which i'm guessing was his middle name stephen john um And um, the punchline of of the Blippi tale, which is, you know, reading further, further down on this uh, Wikipedia page. Apparently, before Blippi had this very successful YouTube career playing in children's museums, he uh, was best known on the internet by the name Steezy Grossman. And Steezy Grossman's thing was uh taking videos and posting videos of himself uh shitting on his friends literally pooping on his friends and I guess doing it to music uh the Harlem Shake most famously so I think my dad would have just um I think he (laughs) just died laughing I wish I could hear him laughing about um, what i learned about blippy and then just to, to bring it a little bit back around to talking about learning if not dog training and something uh, i've learned about learning through dog training um so blippy uh, i i looked up i guess i looked him up um, so in the reading a little bit more about blippy i got into watching, uh, some interview he recorded where he was pointing out that, um, his show is now, uh, translated on YouTube into Spanish, um, which I actually knew because my husband has this rule about YouTube, um, with Magnolia, which is if she's watching cartoons or Blippi or whatever... Uh, it needs to be in Spanish, uh, because her babysitter talks to her in Spanish and he feels like he just wants her to be exposed to Spanish as much as possible, um, to like, you know, work out that part of her brain. And she already, uh, you know, understands Spanish pretty fluently. Um, she says many words in Spanish. Um, her, I mean, she, English is her main language, but, um, <clears throat> And, uh, so I've watched actually Blippi in Spanish. I've watched a lot of Peppa Pig in Spanish and, um, and, uh, so anyway, I knew that his thing was in Spanish and w- when he was talking in this interview, he, they were like, well, are you the doing it in Spanish or is it like overdubbed? And he said, no, no, it's not me. I, I don't speak Spanish. I wish I spoke Spanish, and he said it in sort of this, like, wistful way, like, if only, and it, it, it made me think about, like, how I think about learning now versus how I thought about it before I was, uh, I got into dog training, um, and, uh, which is, you know, that the, the way to get better at doing anything pretty much is just to do it over and over and over again. I mean, the fact that this did not totally dawn on me until I was, I don't know, like 30 is maybe pathetic. Maybe this is something everyone knows and I just like never learned it, but you know, and the heart of it is like, practice, practice, practice. That's how you get to, um, that's the punchline of the joke. How do you get to uh, Carnegie Hall? You just have to do it over and over and over again. You don't need, like, some sort of special... I mean, sure, there are some people who are going to be, like, just maybe incredibly gifted at languages. I think my my husband's a linguist, and I think he's talked about how there's, like... I forget what it is, like, 4% of people who have um, some sort of extra special ability. But for the rest of us, it's just a matter of... Of doing it, and whatever it is, and with languages, I mean that's part of the reason why our daughter is listening to, or I mean, watching um, so much Peppa Pig and Blippi in Spanish, is uh, it's all about the doing it. And and I thought, you know, hey Blippy, like if you really wanted to be good at Spanish, you could probably learn good enough Spanish to be able to talk in your very simple videos if you just devoted time to it. And, Um, but we all know that he's been instead devoting time to playing in children's museums and, uh, taking a crap on people on video. (laughs) If only all of those hours or even some of those hours had gone towards trying to learn Spanish, speak Spanish, um, you know, he'd probably speak Spanish by now. And I think one reason kids are better at, you know, so many kids learn instruments, um, is because they just have a lot more time to sit and spend hours and hours and hours, um, banging away at whatever the instrument is. Whereas, um, uh, or, or, and all the, all the stuff, I mean, I'm saying instruments, all the stuff kids do, if you're, if they're into it, if they, if they're into it and are choosing to give it time, they're going to get better at it, which is something I think I didn't get as a kid. I think I thought like, I have to find the thing that I have a special gift in. Um, and otherwise, I'm just not good at X, Y, or Z. But the reason I wasn't good at the piano was because I just wasn't, like, uh, either willingly or not willingly sitting in front of the piano, um, you know, four hours a day. And, I'll, you know, on the subject of learning Spanish, which, blippy, hey, I think you should do, um, It uh, it's worth mentioning that I think some of the best, like, human training um, based on what we know about how animals learn and how animals are motivated some of the best human training i've seen recently is duolingo it's so fabulous the way it sets and if you don't know duolingo it's an app where you can learn languages um and uh it's incredibly well done they've just gamified things in just the right way they set up the the user for success. Um, They feed you uh, new bits of information in ways that are um, not overwhelming. They give lots of encouragement, prizes, goals, like they get behavior in a way that is so awesome. Because there's a lot of stuff about manipulating human behavior out there as, as, Uh, something that is done to our detriment Um, a lot of the the stuff about Facebook social media in general um, it's not uh, necessarily influencing our behavior um, or you know using what it knows about our tendencies to behave in certain ways uh, for our benefit but Duolingo certainly is it, it's giving just the right amount of encouragement. It's um, shaping things, shaping new skills uh, very thoughtfully and carefully to keep the learner engaged. And it's doing it all so that um, we can uh, speak a new language, which um, is good for so many reasons. Um, even if you don't actually ever end up using it somewhere, I think it's just kind of like a good a good way to exercise your brain probably better than, um, scrolling through social media when you're on your phone, um, as far as brain health goes. Okay. Thank you for listening to, uh, this, um, my thoughts on, (laughs) what am I going to call this? Something like, um, Amos, love, Travis Barker, and what we learned about Flippy, or what I learned about Flippy. All right, got to figure out a title that sums up this one. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye.